my friends, welcome back to Rainbow Parenting. This is the first episode of season two, and I am so, so excited to be back in your ears. We're going to be doing another 10 episodes this season, and we're going to be putting them out every Monday. So keep an eye on your feed. Make sure you follow us. Make sure you leave a review. All of that good podcasting stuff. We have a truly epic season of episodes coming at you. I'm so excited for you to meet all of these incredible humans. And we are kicking it off with today's conversation with Caitlin McGaw and Tommy Shepard from the Alphabet Rockers. The Alphabet Rockers are an intergenerational group creating brave spaces to shape a more equitable world through hip hop. They are Grammy nominated family artists, and they inspire American kids and families to stand up to hate and be their brave and beautiful selves. I first got in contact with Alphabet Rockers through the family music scene, uh, which is not the most queer, <laughs> but um, there are some awesome people that come up through that space. And I really, really admire the work that Caitlin and Tommy do. And I absolutely love their music. I think they're doing incredible work. Please, please go over to Spotify and search for the Alphabet Rockers and you'll find all of their music. One of my personal favorite albums of theirs is The Love. You're going to hear me talk about that album a lot during this conversation. And they just have a new album that came out on Spotify called The Movement. I haven't listened to it quite yet, but I am so excited to dig into it. They are just incredible artists, but they're also doing such awesome work in the education space. They're based in Oakland, and they have such a beautiful community around them that they've built with the kids in their group and through hip hop. And we're going to be talking a lot about that and what that work means through this conversation. But before we get there, just real quick, me and the team over at Queer Kids Stuff just announced that we are putting on a mini conference for queer and trans educators called Queer Teachers Rock. And I am so excited for this conference. You have no idea. This is a little dream that came up over Pride and, and we're bringing it into the world. And I'm so excited to create a beautiful, beautiful space that is specifically for queer and trans educators. So if you are an educator who is queer and trans, if you know queer and trans educators, please, please, please let them know about Queer Teachers Rock. We've got the Eventbrite up. You can sign up for the full conference. You can also sign up for individual conference events. And there's lots more opportunities to be involved with that. And just make sure you follow Queer Kids Stuff over on Instagram. Instagram, and we've got lots of announcements and more information over there. All right, that's enough of me talking. Let's get to our chat with Alphabet Rockers, Caitlin McGaw and Tommy Shepard. Hello, my friends. I am with Caitlin McGaw and Tommy Shepard. Welcome to Rainbow Parenting. Oh my gosh. Let's go. So excited to have you on. <laughs> Caitlin and Tommy are the co-founders and co-you run the organization too, um, of Alphabet Rockers, an incredible youth-focused hip-hop group and you do family music and I'm I'm just so excited to chat with you about all of your beautiful incredible work. But before we get there, I would love to just hear from you. How do you identify and what are your pronouns? I am Caitlin. I spell it with the K. Um my pronouns are she and her. I am a parent of two children. Uh one is 3. 
almost, and one is six almost, and mm-hmm. um, raising them here in Oakland on Maloney Land with my husband, Adi. And my family celebrates Indian culture and uh, the ancient Irish heritage that I bring to this space. Tommy Solati Shepherd here, he, him, they. Uh, I am, let's see, living in Alameda on Ohlone land, stolen Ohlone land with my wife, Anna, and with my son, Tommy, he's 14, uh, doing his thing. He's also an alphabet rocker, young star. And uh, yeah, happy to be here. Amazing. And I would love to hear from you in your own words, especially for people who are just encountering you for the first time here. What is alphabet rockers? Alphabet rockers uh, is currently a movement uh, mm. It started off as this little ball of yarn, and then it just came, kept getting raveled up, and it's like turned into one of those giant like rubber band joints. And mm-hmm. uh, and we're bouncing. Uh, Alphabet Rockers is uh, an intergenerational group of um, like-minded people who really feel like activation is manifest in tiny steps mm-hmm. and little movements. And so uh, as Alphabet Rockers, we just start out there listening and responding to people that are on that same page and trying to get people on that page. Mm, Beautiful. I I love that description. I love, I mean, first of all, your rubber band imagery is, I mean, that's how all good projects start, I think, (laughs) is by some little idea that grows and grows and grows until it's something much bigger than it initially was and initially could be, right? Because it pulls community into it. And that's something that I really love about Alphabet Rockers and and watching your work grow over the years. And and I kind of came in and saw you all when you had already been doing a lot of stuff. So it's been... I remember. Yeah, I know. Um, so it's really exciting. It was really exciting for me because, I mean, I'm a musician as well. And I think you're the first musicians that I've had on the show, which is Ooh. exciting. Um, and it's not something I talk about a ton publicly, but music has always been an enormous part of my life. My mom's a musician and a performer. My stepdad's a jazz musician. I'm a musician. And I think that there's something so, so important about music and the community it brings and the way that youth can be involved in music and the learning around it and the way that we can incorporate music into justice work. And I want to talk to you about all of that. Oh, Um, goodness. You're like right on the page with us. Because like, (laughs) You know, our mission is actually to make music that makes change. Mm. And as the every person who comes along does add their own rubber band. So mm. the earlier questions we had were looking around at um, people not talking about inequities in skin color and trying to make more conversations that were not centered around white people's experience of it mm-hmm. and more about the collective knowledge that's been here for a long time and how can we make that happen for our kids and with our kids. And then somebody would come up with a rubber band and say, hey, like gender justice is so interwoven and mm-hmm. so connected. How do we hear that from you? And mm-hmm. we'd say thank you. And those rubber bands keep coming and we stretch with them. That's what it's about. And I think what music is so magical for is that it is like, it is our soundtrack of our lives. Mm -hmm. So what we choose to listen to actually weaves in our whole spirit. And so the um, songs that that we try to create connect what you're thinking about with what you know. So for adults, like adults are sometimes a little bit too much in our heads and we forget that our hearts feel everything. And so when someone says they're hurting, that's knowledge actually. Mm. So the music that we create allows the adults to connect their heart to their heads 
And the kids are like, I already feel it. What is it? And so it connects their heads to their hearts. Mm, I love that. And I love that we're just like diving right into the deep end with all of this. (laughs) I love swimming. So I like to jump in. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. That's what we're all about here. Uh, So I do want to back up a little bit, but like layer it with what we're already talking about, because I want to know a little bit of the origin story behind Alphabet Rockers and how you all started this organization and, and how it all came together. And I think a part of that question for me is also like, why hip hop and why hip hop in a youth setting? Because I don't think that a lot of people typically think of like hip hop and kids being a thing that can come together. And and I want to disrupt that very purposefully with you all. Mm-hmm. And I am just so curious about how that question was a part is maybe a part of the origin story of Alphabet Rockers too. Fun, fun, fun. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'll, I'll take one and you take the other. Yeah, why not? <laughs> Um, our origin story, look, we discovered that we both moved to the Bay Area around the same time. Mm-hmm. So um, we came out here in about 2000 and um, Tommy was in this amazing hip hop uh, theater group that I was watching on stage. So our origin story might just be in that meet cute of like, hey, I see what you're doing. And for me, I was working at a music school and I was looking at how young people, I felt like they deserved more from the way we were teaching to what we were sharing as songs. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of the spark was like, what do those songs sound like? And so when we got together, we kind of made shows from songs about, you know, shapes and colors and letters and the, the basics of the alphabet rockers. Right. Mm -hmm. But then it became those words that became phrases that became movements. And we really grew from that experience together. So yeah, we really started out like performing in parks and, then the libraries. Ooh, when you get in the libraries, then you really know what's going on. Oh my gosh, I love <laughs> library performances. They're my favorite thing ever. But <laughs> truly, like everybody who's come into the crew has been like adjacent, like right there. Mm. Like, hey, we we see you teaching those dance moves to the kids. Want to rock with us? Or hey, I see you shining in your classroom. You want to come sing with us? And we still always are looking for ways that other people can have a chance to shine with us. You know, absolutely. We try to bring. Part of our program now is trying to send things ahead of time so that when we get to you, you already know and we're already busting together. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's that's a real powerful thing that happens uh, when they take ownership of it. But I'll move on to to why hip hop. I would have started off with hip hop. <laughs> yeah. Even before you asked why hip hop, I was going to, you know. The thought was, is that uh, we started off playing with the kids mm-hmm. uh, and using hip hop as a tool. You know, I grew up with hip hop. We're the same age, actually. So I was I was little. I was a kid when I latched on to it, when I started to feel it meant something to me. And I started to understand it as an aesthetic mm-hmm. and as a way of life versus uh, a music or a dance, you know, or, or all these things. So that's what Caitlin and I started to understand as well. Like we always knew it, but we started to apply that into the classrooms of like, you know, there, there are these elements that we use of hip hop, you know, rap, uh, DJing, graffiti, beatboxing, uh, the elements never come to me because they're always in there. Um, (laughs) so we knew that there was a way to, to reach young people in a way that was fresh. Um, they didn't have people as cool as us up in their classes (laughs) and, you know, and so we kind of used that as well. Mm -hmm. And, uh, hip hop has just always been like a, a conduit to joy for me, even when 
the music that's coming out is a little bit hard and a little bit strong and all of that, it still like brings me joy to hear the stories and to like live the life of that aesthetic and, and be a good storyteller. Mm, yeah, I love the storytelling element of that as well. And I think that that's so important. And I'm, and I want to know like more about what it is specifically about hip hop and like the genre and like the musical aesthetic and, but also like the culture around hip hop that is so tangible for young people. Because it, even in your story that you were telling right there, you were talking about yourself as a kid latching onto hip hop. And like it sounds like that is the love of the genre that you're using to pull today's youth into, right? And I think that cool factor of it too, and like this is no shade to ukulele, like <laughs> like guitar, kids music, like I'm one of those people. And like that just I think is an aesthetic that is so like, you know, Baby Shark and, uh, you know, so steeped in like the family music of like, okay, it looks like this one thing, but we're expanding and like looking at like, okay, family music can look really, really different from that. And that doesn't make it any less than any other kind of family music. So yeah, can you speak to that of like, what it is about like, that you love about hip hop and the kids you work with love about hip hop that makes it so accessible to kids actually in a way that most people might not think. Huh. Okay, I'll say this. Uh, hip hop is a freedom culture. Mm. Uh, everything is free as much money as we spend on it. <laughs> everything is free. Right. Uh, and the aesthetic of making music and, uh, when you are break dancing, when you're DJing or anything, when you're beatboxing, you're really sampling the elements of our world, of all the genres of music, of anything you see out in your neighborhood, you're, you're reflecting those things and you're sampling these things. And mm. that's the thing about hip hop is that like most people that love hip hop, love all music, mm. love so many different styles of music. And it's because of hip hop that I actually was able to understand or even learn and like, or even love other genres of music because mm. I was hearing it in there. And then I would go and listen to the real sample and where the sample came from. And I got into other pieces of music. And I think that's an element that we uh, as alphabet rockers uh, try to impart on, on our kids that, yo, take it and make it your own. And we're, we're, you know, it's, it's the rules. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's the rules of hip hop. You know, you, you, you use it and you make it your own. Yeah. There's so much too that like, doing like hip hop pedagogy or like thinking about all these elements of hip hop and then just doing what we do um, that are the same. Like, hey, we're going to circle up. That's what happens every preschool, right? Let's circle mm -hmm. up. Well, what do we do in community in circle? You get a chance. Let's let's witness what Tommy's going to do, like whether he's sharing some bars or doing a little dance move. We celebrate each other. Everybody's equal in the circle. You step forward or you step back, you're important. It's like the fundamentals, right? And that is actually way beyond the beginnings of hip hop, but it's certainly centered in uh, black and indigenous voices over like white culture, which is about a line mm -hmm. who's in front. And we're never about that. So mm. when, when we really look at like radical parenting and making space, it's really about finding new shapes. You can make, look at it like that, using all the colors, making space for the storm clouds in your picture because they're real. And yeah, they can be a part of our beauty too. And all of that, when I'm listening to you, Tommy, thinking about storytelling, if we do call and response at some point, make it your own, right? We don't need you to repeat. We want to hear you. Mm -hmm. So that's the innovation and the spaciousness of like child-centered thinking. That's hip hop. If you really look at the values of like what we want our kids to have, 
is hip hop culture. Yes, absolutely. And I want to dive. <laughs> I want to dive more into that because I want to hear you talk about your process with the kids. Because something I talk about a lot on here and try and do in my work is really lift up like young people's voices and include them in justice movements, include them in the art and valuing young people's voices like unto themselves as like whole full humans who have, you know, uh, aesthetic value and like artistic value and also just like value as human beings. So I'm I'm so interested in your process behind your songwriting and behind like how your group works because you have young people make up the majority of your of the alphabet rockers, right? Pretty much. You just said that and it made me think, whoa. True. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, tell me tell me a little bit about your process behind um uh song creation and like how you work with the young people and the young people's voices. Yeah, now we could say this in like a level that three year olds and four year olds can understand. And also we can say at a level that PhD candidates from mm-hmm. UC Berkeley are embracing. So you tell us which lane you want to go in because it can sound pretty um, not interesting when you get into the like participatory action research is, you know, it's like, <laughs> uh, okay, it's not really like that. <laughs> Tommy yeah. and I have another way of saying it. I'll just say that when we talk about it and it sounds really friendly, it's actually the depth of how you create inclusive programs. We've been delighted to like have fellowships where we're like, yeah, we've been doing it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, and the pandemic, the pandemic lent to us being able to, uh, I don't know, gather through these things, these zooms and things. Mm-hmm. Uh, we felt really kind of stuck and like uh, powerless, and so mm-hmm. we started asking our questions about power and things like that. Now, I say this is because that's part of our process is asking questions. So we ask the question: When do you feel powerful? When do you feel powerless? Mm-hmm. And when we ask these questions, another part of our process is that we listen and we reflect and then we respond. So we started off asking questions to people that were our audience, uh, people who actually needed their voice to be put out there. Then we would put those words out for them. Hmm. And then we kind of started to generate these uh, relationships with these young people. And we started to get them into the question asking process. Now, like Caitlin was saying, like there's a process and the way to describe the process of, of uh, this thing called participatory action research is like peeling an onion. Like, mm-hmm. so your first question is the first thing of the onion and then you peel it back and there's a deeper question centering around that first question. And you just keep mm-hmm. peeling and going deeper and asking more questions and never actually answering any of them. And that's how we generate a lot of our lyrics and a lot of our ideas for our books and for our TV show and for all kinds of things. We, we reflect and respond to these questions and usually there's never an answer. There's mm-hmm. usually like a unifying statement that says that we all are asking this question and we'll have the journey to get the answer to that question together. Mm. And what I'll say about that beautiful image too is like, yeah, sometimes there's tears when you peel an onion and then you look at, well, that's not hurting me. wonder what, I'm curious about mm. what's affecting you. And we start looking at, we all do have different roots and it's okay to acknowledge as an, as an empath, like I see that you're feeling that and it's important to me to understand. That's what's been great about sharing this process. Like we have a very trusting relationship as co-writers. Like Mm -hmm. we've sat with stuff where I'm like, that's not my truth. I know why it matters. And then Mm -hmm. we say, well, how can we create something that we can share? And that's magic too, right? There's a little element of like, of spirit that is is really the heart. And it's not just like, oh, we're good at wordplay. You know, it's actually like, oh, I think this gives me that feeling 
that you and I are sharing right now. And our kids can do that. They can actually say, this is going to get us there. This is why I love talking to musicians, because it's such an emotional form of art that is so, I think, hard to describe. And I think you're doing it really beautifully in that, like, it's like, creating music and like asking those questions and like following the question to the other questions and coming up with a question to the question as the answer to the question as an aesthetic too is yeah. is such it's hard to put into words right because it's so about feeling and about just like following where it's taking you and yeah i was saying to you before we got on that i was re-listening to your album the love um and i'm curious Let's talk about that album a little bit. And to preface all of this is that like you two are like so legit three-time Grammy-nominated artists, like doing just like beautiful work that is also being um, acknowledged in the greater music industry. Um, Thank you. Which we, I'm sure, I'm sure you have thoughts and feelings about too. Um, but like you're just making beautiful art too and allowing kids to put their voices into that beautiful art and to understand that they are capable of these big feelings and answering these big questions. So I'm curious if there's like any particular question that you started with when you started the process behind writing the love album. That was a beautiful reflection. Mm. The love was um, a shared experience for us um, where we didn't start the questions. We actually mm. worked with our family coalition based mm. in San Francisco. Our family coalition is an LGBTQIA plus organization for queer parents mm. um, and helping provide resources, everything from starting your family to nurturing your family mm. and also advocating in the schools for um, LGBTQIA history to be seen and, and understood and mm -hmm. included. So they're wonderful. And so we sat in circle with them and asked, and it was, it's not a question people are used to being asked. What do you need to hear? Mm. What do you need to feel? And what do you need to see in these lyrics? And, and honestly, when you have been shut out of the music industry, yeah, it's like, wait, you're making this album for us with us. That takes a little bit of time. We built enough trust that we were able to, honestly, I think it was maybe a couple of hours of listening and, and reflecting on what they know to be true mm -hmm. and, and inviting mm -hmm. what will be the questions. And it came out in three themes. Uh, we want to be celebrated. We want to be visible. And we want you to advocate with us. So those are the themes of the album. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we also asked questions like, which really were uh, informative, like, what are you tired of hearing? Mm. Uh, what don't you need to hear in this music? Like, what are the cliches? What are the things that, you know, don't need to be lyricized uh, and put into music? And that was very helpful as well. That kind of let us know, put us in the place of where we knew we could speak it or we had to find an alternative way of mm. um, expressing the message. And there was, after those like three buckets came in, um, we just, we felt this like feeling of, I don't, there's something happens in the creative process where you know that it's it. Cause we all looked at it. We just written those three words on the wall, celebrate, visible, advocate. And we we're like, mm. okay. And they're like, now what y'all? We're <laughs> like, we're going to bring all the families together. As many as who want to come. And we had a, um, a generative session where we put three rooms in the, in our old studio 
with where you could write on the walls. Everybody got post-its, kids, adults, write what, what do you want to hear and see in this music about mm-hmm. our visibility, about our, how do, how do we want to be celebrated? And some of the lyrics um, on the album were from that space. Straight off the post-it. It's beautiful. And I, I, I'm hearing so much that's parallel with my like background in theater and like working uh, yeah. with like youth theater. Um, it's so, and like devising processes. So devising, if people don't know, it's like a gen, you generate theater and I think in this case music um, by kind of like cooperative collaboration in the room. Um, and those are definitely some techniques <laughs> I used when I was in those spaces. Um, and what I really love about what you're saying and the way that you approached all of this is that you're not approaching it with questions around identity and experience. You're These are more like general questions, right? Like how, and it's not that they're not specific. It's that, you know, you're approaching it in a way that is asking for someone to come to the answer or like quote unquote answer with their individual experience and with that specificity. And I think that allows for so much more breadth and it speaks to the experience of the album and when I'm listening to it. And it really, I'm so curious about how you came to um, these kind of like interludes that you have throughout the album that um, are kind of like a through line. And I'm curious, um, first of all, folks who are listening to this pause and go and listen to the love album so that you have a little bit of context or come to it afterwards and then re-listen to this episode. But these interludes are just so beautiful. And I want to hear a little bit more about that and where that I'm guessing this came from those conversations with that group. Yeah, they they did. Um, And also the use of a interlude is something that we played with with our previous album to, to the love rise shine woke we kind of saw that like these little interludes and interludes also lend themselves to hip hop albums. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like we did, we didn't do skits, right. <laughs> but we did interludes, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that like a lot of that stuff came out of also like us not being able to uh, tell the full story because you're looking at two uh, cisgendered individuals, uh, one, a black man, one, a white woman. And our country has problems with both of us. <laughs> So, you know, there's like some things like you just can't say, mm. you know, like there's some things that you just can't do. That's why we, we did it together. And we, like Caitlin said, we, we were able to uh, form trust so that we can actually say some of these things too and be an advocate for it and not saying and not be othering, you know? Mm. And some of the questions we asked there too, actually, Lynn, it was like the same you asked us, how would you like to identify mm. with us today? Our initial learning about gender diversity too was around like that for some folks who might be more fluid, we don't need to be so locked into something, right? Mm -hmm. And then also asking the question, do you really need this information or is this to be supportive? So Mm. we were okay with the complexity of that. And we invited everyone who came into the studio to record with us, which was over 40 or 50 musicians um, to share um, their pronouns, share how they like to identify, share something they would like to tell the five-year-old version of themselves Mm -hmm. as we heal together, because that's what our music is. It's healing. Um, And, you know, we didn't write a song on the album that's like, don't assume someone's pronouns. We didn't write that song because it wasn't interesting enough for the album. Yeah. Like it was like, yeah, that's part of it. People would say that's, yeah, that's part of it. But really I need this. I need to feel mm-hmm. this way in the classroom or I need to feel this way. So I was like, okay, well, 
that little um, interlude, they, them interlude is like, you hear lots of pronouns and I'm grateful that we included it. And now I'm also grateful that the culture that we are a part of is there's not that um, resistance anymore. People aren't saying, well, they, them is like, I can't use that because the plural, it's like, no, no, no. It's like, just do better. You can do it. You love humans. And this is an invitation to, to be loving. And then people say, okay. So now we have like a stamp of that moment and Mm. the storytelling from the kids that continued, like for some of the interludes, we just looked at, I said, this is this interlude. We're going to pair with the song from we Royal. So you might Mm -hmm. hear in the back. Now I want you to go in with your musician ears. You'll hear, Oh wow. That's actually the same music as the entry track. And it's just the voices of the queer artists on the album Mm. giving advice um, to the future, you know, and speaking to one another even the kids who are our lead advisors on the album. And I love how you're connecting that to how yeah. like it's in, it's like the interludes are so queer and so like genderqueer, but then you're also playing with it in and throughout the album and throughout the music too. And it's like just so embedded within the entire album. I was like, I was listening to it again this morning just like after a long time, um, I hadn't listened to it for a while. And just being like, so pleasantly surprised when something is just like, so queer, and like, how joyful that is for me, like, queerness so often gets siloed, you know, into it's like one thing, this is like where the queerness can live. And then like the rest of it is just going to be its own thing. But this was it felt so integrated. Um, I I really admired that and the way that you were able to do that really beautifully and fluidly. Mm -hmm. You know, um, one of the pieces of this and still the pieces of what we do is us uh, working on ourselves. Mm -hmm. I could came and speak on it, but I had a lot of work to do in order to be an advocate Mm. or in order to really understand why I need to stand up for somebody that doesn't look like me or that doesn't act like me, Mm -hmm. but still is a human like me. So within us, within everybody, the work has to be done or else you're just kind of like, it's like a bandaid and you get to the other side of it and your cut's not healed. You know, mm. I'm sorry. I keep coming with all these images. I know. I'm <laughs> loving it though. It's I'm great. All, I'm a high, I am a highly visual person. I love a metaphor. It's great. Yeah. Anyway. So yeah, there's a lot of work that needs to be done with our, within ourselves and that way it can expand to the community. And then, then what happens? Right. Yeah. It's like, I think about some of the, the books that we can read to our kids. A lot of parents will come to me and say, what am I supposed to do? Like, I want to, I want to do like what you're doing with your kids. And I'm all, well, I'm doing critical thinking all the time. Like nothing is untouched. And you, it's not like I play the song that celebrates pride or I read the book about pride. We notice who's in the book and we notice the, you know, sometimes there's things that don't, you know, feel like people are missing or we notice cultural appropriation when we're reading books. Like It's not mm-hmm. always fun. Yeah. And this, this framework of like working on yourself as an advocate is also like interrupting all the things. Mm-hmm. And so anything nostalgic that doesn't serve our gender diverse community, it does not serve us. So we have to let it go. If it is not for everyone, it is not for me. Mm. Yeah, I can relate to this so much. I think so much of my work is about like healing myself and like therefore hopefully helping others heal. And like, I think writing for kids, at least for me, is so much about my own inner child healing. And like, I can be really emotional and hard. 
right? Like healing is not easy by any means, but I think at least, at least for me, and I'm curious if you agree, it's easier through art and it's easier through creativity because you're able to put yourself through a prism, right? And then be able to reflect on the thing that comes out of it and see where it's, where it's pulling you and like where it is trying to heal and where it's revealing wounds and where it's revealing those spots that you need to work on. And I think that that's something so beautiful about art. And then about music is a very particular form of art that is looping back to how emotional music is and how how tied to our like inner world and spirit it is as a particular art form. Um, so yeah, definitely <laughs> feel a lot of relatability with that for sure. And then that gets me to, I think a good segue. Um, we've been talking about how you create music and you you write the songs, but you're also you also go into production with them. You're showing kids the full scope of how music gets made, right? From the idea and the question to the writing of the song, and then onto the music production, which is also a vocational skill <laughs> that right. people True. and like and and uh, a hireable skill that you're giving young people. So I, I want to hear a little, and then also the collaboration of it all. I saw. Um, Honey Mahogany is featured on the Love album. That was a lucky, lucky moment for us. <laughs> She's like one of the the most prominent leaders from the Bay Area mm. for political change. And um, we just were really lucky. She had actually introduced us on Pride stage mm. and like we'd just been in community and we're like, please, 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 will you come sing? Now, when we talk about talent and you want to go behind the music of the songs that she was on. Okay, first of all, she came in from work or whatever. She's just like, cool. All right, what are we doing? I don't know what I can do on that. And then the tracks, like if you listen to this high note in We Royal, we were like, okay, yep, that was it. <laughs> I mean, but it was like, she was in the studio for maybe an hour and she had, she's like, I haven't been singing that much. Uh-huh, <laughs> sure. And then, and, right. and then she came in for, for Black Girl Magic. I think we like tracked most of it. That's a tricky thing when you do big collaborations. Mm is like you do look at like when do we bring in the principal singer and like what are the things you need there for them to be responding to so i believe for that one we had most of the rap done and then she came in and and really hooked on the (laughs) there she go with it it was it was beautiful everyone that came into the studio had that same experience too Mm -hmm. they didn't come to the studio and jump right into the thing we we reflected with each other. We asked for, you know, for the most part, like, what do you need? We talked about, you know, what the goal of the album is. And, you know, and we prepped them with that thing. While you're in the studio, think about that message for your kids, mm-hmm. uh, for your kid self. Think about that message. And, you know, by the end of the session, you'd be like, okay, you got that answer. And then they just drop it. Mm-hmm. I think some of the artists actually were a little bit like throw it off by it, mm-hmm. uh, but they all handled it. I don't know. Since then, I think we've been a little bit more uh, literal and, and intentional with what you're coming into the studio to do. So you're not surprised, but we learned from that. That's the part of like be a learning, learning being, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Circling back to like you're we're disrupting family music genre with hip hop, but we're also disrupting hip hop with queerness. Right. Yeah. And I'm curious uh. to hear more about that as well. Well, we had to um, reach out and create, which are now like just lifelong friendships with mm-hmm. some uh, rappers that, you know, probably at the time were just starting to emerge with like 
big placements and TV and stuff. Mm -hmm. But um, Mahoam, who is, um, she's here in Oakland. We had been in the same studio spaces, but when they came in, they, they actually helped produce the track, Just Be, and rapped on it in this release. They We just like synced up right quick. Mm. And then Billy Dean Thomas, we were all, look, we know all about you. And would you ever consider? And they were like, yeah, I'm down for the kids. Let's do mm. this. And then when they sent their track to us, though, we were like, wow. Like, and um, yeah. yeah. And that song, Just Be, has over 100,000 streams on Spotify. And mm. it's actually like... If you can imagine disrupting hip hop with queerness, disrupting family music with queerness, disrupting hip hop dance classes mm. for little little kids who are all wearing the same uniform, mm -hmm. just be, they use it all the time. We have got so many little, you know, TikToks of kids in their dance, you know, leotards doing just be. I'm all, yes, mm. that's huh. it. That means that little seed is planted in your body as you're moving with all your power. Mm -hmm. To know, yeah, front your own clothes. You might be in a uniform right now. Express your body, yourself, you know, your right. value. Yo, I have a confession. Okay. Um, <laughs> I never even considered that we were disrupting hip hop with queerness. Mm. That's that. Like, I wasn't in a place that in hip hop that didn't feel like queerness didn't belong in it. Mm. Uh, but now that I think about it, uh, a big majority of people in hip hop don't even, you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. that was like my naiveness of like, or maybe I was just a little bit more forward already. You know what I'm saying? It's just I never considered it like being a problem uh, mm. in hip hop and that we were disrupting it in that way. Yeah, it's a it's it's an interesting thing when you're so embedded in something and something feels so like, quote unquote, normalized for yourself. And then you go out into the world with it or into an industry with it that's established. And you see where you're pushing buttons just by being yourself and just by making the art that you're making. And and I, I experienced that a, quite a bit <laughs> mm -hmm. in my work. Um, and I'm curious where if you've found kind of like hot spots that you've come across in any of the spaces where you're in or like even in your disruptions. Uh, yeah, all the time. We're on the edge. <laughs> <laughs> all the time. When we created Rise, Shine, Woke hmm. and we talked about skin color and race and things, we, we thought we were, you know, about the top, like about to fall off of the edge. And we mm. realized, hey, that ain't that big of a deal. Mm. So that's when we went into uh, gender justice and we were met with a few people saying, who are you? to talk about this. And really, it was just like, uh, they're the rubber, we're the rubber, they're the glue, whatever they say bounces off of us and sticks <laughs> back to them like glue. So that's what we, that's like the whole mode of us. And that satisfied some people. Other people were like, well, I'm still not down. I don't think I need you to speak for me. Mm. Uh, but at the same time, a lot of people asked us to speak for them. Mm. Yeah, I remember the first time we performed songs from The Love was in this uh, rainbow family space in mm -hmm. um, Sonoma County. Mm -hmm. And um, the parents, I think I was super pregnant at the time, the parents were like just crying, actually, just like, this is for us. You made this for us. And, you know, for us, we were so humble walking in there. Like, we just hope we did you proper. Like, we hope this serves your best goals. We hope this is your love source for the day. And there will be others that get funded to create songs like this that make this. And there are, right? But mm -hmm. we did this piece, this body of work and we continue to perform this body of work. And I think the resistance to um, 
alphabet rockers happens in a lot of ways. I mean, I think white supremacy is our biggest competition, right? It's our, our fighter. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's, it takes all forms and it takes indifference form. It takes, um, we don't want the whole story. We don't want you to talk mm-hmm. about transgender identities. We've gotten that request from school and we said we, we don't compromise what, yeah. who we stand for. Um, we've been told from teachers, they've performed, um, our songs in their choir and they got asked to, you know, stop performing the song and, Hmm. you know, it's, people are scared of, of something, right? Is it change? We, we're all kind of like, what are you afraid of? Right. And it all gets masked in the notion that we're being political. I mean, the personal is political and like, like, always has been. Yeah, exactly. And like when you're creating any kind of art, and I think music in particular, too, like it comes from your personal experience, you're talking to people about and they're answering these questions, questions with their personal experiences. And that's where it's coming from. It's coming from your heart. And when that's out there in front, like that makes it so much harder and people putting that kind of like political label onto it. I mean, the politic is necessary because you can't escape it. Right. But it's also, I find it frustrating, right. That like it, that like people are putting their like perception of like what is political onto what you're doing because it's just, it's just yours. Yeah. The other resistance I think from even from people who might be in circle with all of us are like, what age do I start doing this work with my young people? Yes. And we said it in Rai Shai Mok, it starts when they're in the womb, mm-hmm. right? Because you're doing the work on, and if you're not a childbearing human, then it's like you're preparing for your family to grow. Mm-hmm. That's your. That's when you start. Like, what is the environment that this young person is going to arrive into? And who are we to hold them? And that nurturing continues. So, you know, yes, before my now almost six-year-old was speaking, I had the the benefit of spending all this time and learning about gender justice in particular and embodying it. So we could read the book, What Makes a Baby? And I could cry and feel seen as somebody who delivered by a C-section and also feel like I don't want to be in a, in a female experience. I want to be in a childbearing experience for my own lived body. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I could share that with my child. Mm-hmm. And that's book by Corey Silverberg. That, that, you can start reading that when they're an infant. Because they can see pictures of people that, um, in some ways, I mean, it's like a little bit of the coloring of the book. It, it strips a little bit of, you don't know, you don't have any backstory because everyone's blue and orange and purple. Mm-hmm. There are like, you know, different hair textures and different body shapes, but there's also, we're all blobs, right? Mm-hmm. I'm just going in on that one because I was delighted that like, as I was forming the world for my kids, there was a book that reflected that for the infants. <laughs> yeah, I love that book. So yeah, start early is like, start early with everything. Talk about discipline early. We're, we just finished an album called The Movement, which we are about to send to you. Mm. So you can listen to it later. Ooh, yes. Yeah. So the new, the new album, The Movement is actually where we ask questions about justice and belonging. And as we wrote songs about gender justice, we had to look at, you know, how incarceration and police affect queer bodies and queer yeah. people. And in fact, can you grab that over there? We can show this beautiful piece of art yeah. by Micah Bazant, who's here in the Bay Area. Oh. And this is like this oh, beautiful... Oh, yes, I love this illustration of Marsha P. Johnson. Oh, yes. And it says, no pride for some of us without liberation for all of us. Mm-hmm. And it's this beautiful illustration that they did. And remembering that, you know, pride started as a riot and Mm -hmm. the police were harming queer people. So yes, all these things connect as we say, what do our children need right now? And it is the love. It is going into how can we stand up for each other? It is how do we move together? How do we break our biases, empower 
towards breaking oppression, like big, big topics, but Mm -hmm. the children want us to don't size me up. I'm more than what you, you perceive. Mm -hmm. Right. On that note, I think it's a great time to take a little break and then we'll be back with a listener question. All right, we are back with Caitlin and Tommy from Alphabet Rockers, and we're here to answer Ooh. a listener question. You all ready? Yeah. Yeah. What's okay. it going to be? All right. This listener is wondering, I love your albums, and I want to start introducing my child to more of the hip-hop genre, but I don't really know where to start with kid-friendly, family-friendly hip-hop. So can you help me out with getting my kid into the hip-hop space? Ooh. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say that there's a lot of clean music out there. I think it, I mean, once you are introduced to Alphabet Rockers, then it's really about that, that uh, targeted search mm-hmm. of more of this and then hit enter. And you know what I mean? It'll come, it'll come to you. But really, I think what we are trying to do is not have people latch on to hip hop as much as it is to the message. Mm. So uh, we encourage people to go out and look for more messages. And like I said, when we're in the hip hop genre, the the culture, you can find those messages in anything. You can find it in classical mm. music. You can find it in folk music. You can find it in funk music. You know, that's the hunt that you should be that people should be going on is finding that music with a message, more music with a mm. message. I think I feel like that's appropriate, because also if you think about adult music, let's just call it that. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of messages that are not in hip hop songs that are probably too mature for kids. I just look at it about maturity, right? Mm-hmm. Because uh, I mean, just looking at like what messages you want to hear in the world and like lyrics seep into our children at any age, mm-hmm. they're already seeping it in. So if you think you can get a pass and just listen to whatever you want, well, just know that you're going to have some questions about it, or you might see some connections being made that you didn't know were being made. So mm-hmm. sometimes people say like, well, what's a kid appropriate hip hop? And it's like, well, ask yourself of all your music. What do you, what are what's they listening to? Because yeah. otherwise mm-hmm. there's kind of like a, a slant that like you think that the storytelling in hip hop is not okay. Mm-hmm. Um, some things are too mature because they're for grown up activities. I'll just say that for yeah. our, all ages listeners. So when I think about like bringing hip hop, so you listen to a great song, then you can say, okay, let's go watch a video about how to beatbox. And then let's actually beatbox to whatever Mm. songs we're listening to. Can we beatbox in the car? Can we use our letters, BTS as we, or Boots and Cats? And can you do that while we listen to this song? And then you start creating this rhythm experience. Um, In my house, we do a lot of like rewriting songs and rhyming. Is that just for, you know, what genre that we're singing in? No, because that goes right into if we're in circle and we're starting to like freestyle together, have your rhymes, like start to create, create on the flex, say something silly, bounce mm. back from it. So to me, it's like everything and and anything. Can you play with your mailbox and make it into a song, right? Mm-hmm. That's hip hop. Sample it. Yeah. Mm. So I guess what she's saying is, or what we're saying is, is that, yeah, it's more about the the culture of it and the elements than it is the actual music so it's more but it's more about the vibe mm. yeah go out there and, and learn about the vibe like learn about turntables and vinyl because it's coming back you know learn oh, yeah. learn like how how the first dj figured out scratching it was mm. it was a complete accident he had his headphones on his mom was telling him to clean his room or ask him to take out the trash and he couldn't hear it so he put his hand on the record and was like, what, mom? He's like, I'll take out the trash. I told you I take out the trash. And he's like, oh, okay. And then his hand slipped and it was all screwed. 
He's like, oh, snap. What's that? You know what I mean? Like, mm. these are great stories. <laughs> you also, know? what a great opportunity for a lesson about, like, the importance of making mistakes and learning from mistakes. And, like, right. how mistakes can be beautiful, right? Yes. How cool is yes. that? And, and the brilliance of DJs. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like when I used to teach in the kindergartens, I would tell these stories. And I would also get to say, look, aren't they like scientists? Because they take two elements and they put them together and they make something new. When they overlap, you hear something new. And so that would be fun in the classroom too we'd have like one group saying you know one part and the other group and be like oh wow we're making something new out of existing things and Mm -hmm. because it's you doing it it's even more new yeah and i love the idea tommy what you were saying before about like how do we look for social justice within all music and like i think maybe some are a little bit more obvious like oh let's go to rock like let's go to kind of like a willie nelson folk and like talk about like blowing in the wind and stuff like that but i think like where is social justice and like radicalism in classical music like where is that in today's pop where is that in all of these other like spaces for music where is it in more family music where is it in hip-hop that we want to see and i and i love that kind of like angle on the exploration through music now i'm gonna tell you something kind of wild we're watching this show in my family we love indian culture and books and movies and we found this show called mirror royal detective now this is gonna get like way out there Mira works for the, the the queen, fine. She's a detective. The only challenge I have with this show is there's not skin color diversity and they're mm. not as dark skinned as my beautiful Indian family is. However, they never assume that somebody has done something wrong. They mm. ask questions. We don't have enough information. Can I ask you a question? That is like a fundamental value that absolutely is countercultural to how people are punished and disciplined in American society. Mm -hmm. And when I see that, I say, okay, yes to this. And like, and I always comment, did you notice that we don't know if that that person did something wrong? They're asking questions. Mm -hmm. And it's a great premise for us as parents to not say, did you do that? And say, hey, what happened here? Right? Did something happen? Right? All these disruptions are actually deep. It's not, it's, mm. it's about changing how, who's in control, who has power and whose truth matters. Yeah. I love that breakdown. And I also, um, to go back to something that came up as we were answering this question, um, the kind of like idea of appropriateness and like what is appropriate for kids. And then as we're talking about hip hop within that and like clean versus explicit. And I think I, I loved how you were framing it appropriateness for quote i'm i'm using air quotes um i don't love the term appropriate but it's it's important mm-hmm. for this kind of conversation um and like thinking about the topics that music is speaking to rather than like the quote unquote cleanliness of language and i mean I'm assuming that all of your work has to be clean in order for it to be considered family friendly. Is that is that kind of correct? In like kind of like oh, the yeah. capitalist notion of it all. I mean, if yeah. we're just talking about bad words, like for sure, because we we were family folks. Yeah, mm-hmm. but images. I mean, mm. you know, there's like we said, we met some resistance with parents who are like, "Yo, my kid is too young to even be thinking about that right now," or. Mm. That doesn't happen to my kid. So I'm going to wait for that to happen to my kid before I approach it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That in itself is considered explicit. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Let's talk about how explicit explicit. privilege is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, I mean, you know, I've had like, like 
daydreams. You know, when you're in like a comfortable stare, you know, mm-hmm. that comfortable stare where you're just like, mm, uh, yes. nothing can take you out of it. I have many of those moments of being like playing the farce of like having that ad- parent advisory on our albums mm-hmm. <laughs> like because like we're not cussing or anything. We're just being real and mm-hmm. we're being honest. And sometimes like that is even worse than the misogyny and the things that these people are letting their kids <laughs> listen to. You know what wow. I mean? Somehow it's worse than that stuff. Yeah. yeah. I think it's interesting because I don't want folks to think that like, quote unquote, explicit language is a barrier to kids exploring different genres of music. And like that being the thing that like stops you from like showing them an artist's album. Whereas like the topics and like the imagery and like what they're talking about is actually quote unquote appropriate for kids, but like they use a bad word, right? I think that like that's a way of like deconstructing how you can navigate music with your child and understanding ways in which our like industries deem something kid or family friendly when like it's mm. actually just like about language use and not about the topics we're talking to kids about right right well you know there's a few artists out there right now that are totally like that there's Mm. kendrick who i'm going to see tonight i keep forgetting (laughs) (laughs) i keep forgetting that i'm going to see in the concert tonight uh happy father's day um (laughs) amazing there's kendrick lamar there's there's d smoke Mm. Uh, both of them come out of the la area um compton and inglewood and their music is strong it's super strong and it's storytelling and it's it's uh it has bad language in it mm-hmm. but the messages and the stories were for me like when mm-hmm. i was a kid and so all the kids in compton all the kids in inglewood and jinglewood all the kids you know in these neighborhoods that kind of understand what's going on that's for them mm-hmm. and and who are we as people in the rest of the country in the rest of the world to say i'm not gonna do that because that ain't me like mm-hmm. that that means you're just cutting yourself off of experience and learning about people, you know, because that's what we're supposed to be doing. And so, like, I know I get a little fired up when it comes I to know. that because I'm like, yo, it's it's I don't I actually could care less about the bad words. Mm-hmm. It's the message. You know what I mean? And, and like, they're, it's, they're it's really strong love. It's yeah. like pure mm-hmm. love. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, that's it. Like that is, and you're saying, well, that love's not for me. That's your choice, but you don't know your child yet. Mm-hmm. This is like a cultural, like, this is why we're kind of in all these separate silos of like, mm-hmm. well, that's not for me. Yeah. Why not? Ask yourself why. Like, mm-hmm. and it's okay if you don't, it's not your jam, but know why this song is like motivating and healing and loving on people. Because man, when I, I we actually saw D Smoke live the other day and I was like, this man loves everybody Mm. so big. He loves everybody. He's an example to all of us of how to take care of people, how to uplift each other, how to create for, for the moment and for tomorrow. Like, Mm. you know, that's, those are the kind of artists that really like inspire and connect, you know, Mm -hmm. people who are going to tell the truth, people who are going to say, I love you in whatever words they end up saying or beats or, Mm-hmm. sounds like I got you. That's that's the music I'm looking for. Mm. Yeah, and I and I'm really loving deconstructing the way that we're looking at genre and how how we're looking at appropriateness and language and understanding the ways that like all of those categorizations that are being mostly 
put on music and art through the industry filter of it all, right, are influencing what we're able to put in front of our kids and like gatekeeping what they can access because of what parents are told they can and cannot put in front of their kids for X, Y reasons that are probably trickling down from the white supremacy that pervades all structures. But then you look at like if you watch Disney movies, like it's hard to watch sometimes every Mm -hmm. time uh, a parent gets hurt, right? Or we we see like a lot of loss. Mm -hmm. Like my children, that's really hard on them. Yeah, they it's like we have to fast forward to some things for other people that may feel like it's okay to 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 hold. Mm -hmm. So I'm watching them to look at when we can hold that conversation. It's very real. Mm. It's but it's in every movie. Yeah. And um, solo parenting is sometimes a choice. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's not built on harm. It's built on love. And so Mm -hmm. can we can we feel that too? Yeah. Like like our friends that we have that are solo parents, they're not they're not missing something. They're they're fully a family mm. and they are fully love. Mm. And mm. so those are like I mean if we want to get at like we can talk about the songs and all that and it's like it's everywhere. So mm. nothing is missing out on these complexities and so Yeah. You know, I think Disney and I'm not bashing Disney cuz I we I just told you about one of my favorite shows. <laughs> and it's like there's opportunities for all of us to think about like, well, why is that okay? And I'm not talking about it or and this other thing is is scary. And right. it's okay for as adults to say, Hey, I'm scared to talk about this. Like mm. you can have your own dialogue and say, I'm not sure how to talk about this with you and I love you. Like mm. that if that's all you can do is you can just acknowledge you're in process. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's what's hard about these type of messages being in schools. Mm. It's why they, you know, why they're calling it so critical. The things that that we learned, uh, the lies my teacher told me uh, as we get into life, we're like, oh, how come nobody told me about that? How come nobody told me that that Cleopatra was actually a pharaoh and people had a problem with what they thought a woman was being mm-hmm. a pharaoh. You know what I mean? How come they teach us about all these, you know, lots of things, you know what I mean? Like, why mm-hmm. didn't they tell us about all the different tribes that didn't even think about gender, that had no gender? Like, how come we didn't learn about uh, the people that tried to stop Ruby Bridges from being to school? How come we don't ex- say that they're still alive today? Mm-hmm. How come we don't talk about that in schools? How come we, you know what I mean? And like, so a lot of people are like, man, I can't tell about that because that's probably my grandpa or my grandma that mm-hmm. did that. Or, you know what I mean? Or like that. We can't tell people about that because that means we got to talk about gender if we talk about this mm-hmm. in schools. That means we have to talk about, you know what I mean? And, and that's what happens is gets glossed over and then it gets, then it gets restricted. Mm-hmm. And just to be fully transparent, I yeah. am a, a white woman who grew up from half my family being in the South and I don't have clearance as to who would be um, pro desegregation. So when I talk about it with my dad, we talk about healing our generations and we Mm -hmm. talk about um, surviving and changing. That is like our way of healing too. Mm -hmm. So you can talk about reparations with your kids in these ways too. Like not everybody in our family history um, operated with fairness and we have evolved. Yeah. And we can explore it through art and through music too. Yes. Just to loop Mm -hmm. us back. Oh my gosh. This was a beautiful conversation. We went into so many different spaces. I'm so, so glad that we were able to cover all of this. Um, Now is the time to plug all of the things that you're doing. (laughs) Everyone out there, it's time to listen to... 
alphabet rockers words <laughs> let's go in order we have a book that's dropped in january and it's out there in the world right now it's in target this is probably in your local bookstore but if not go get it on amazon order it all over the place it's called you are not alone mm. um that's that's the first thing that we are still charging on uh the next thing we're charging on is our album that is coming out uh sooner than later and what's it called the movement yes mm. there's a movement happening and we feel like we're making we're doing like we're two-stepping together uh with our movement you know mm. it's going forward but it's also going back yeah it's also going down and it's going up you know what i mean mm. so like that's that's the movement that's we have that uh, in the works. And uh, we also have an anti-racism curriculum called We Got Work to Do, which you can access on alphabetrockers.com. And it's a way to kind of bring our culture, our music, and our dance moves and our questions into your home or classroom. Yeah. So we hope you get to partake in some of these things. Yep. And look out for, uh, I can't say when or how soon, but look out for us podcasting and look out for our TV show. Like, like we still have to speak it until it is exists oh you know gosh, what i mean yeah. like Manifest. It's, it's happening i love yes. it beautiful thank you so so much for joining me and uh everyone listen to the love everybody go follow alphabet rockers on spotify y'all have such incredible work and i am so excited to listen to the new album it's gonna be great well, to be honest, we're just grateful to be in community with you. Been a fan for a long time, an admirer even, if you're just like, wow, look, <laughs> look. And um excited to see you grow and see your book come into the world too. Yeah. Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on. And I'm about to chat with them about some cool stuff on the patreon feed so make sure if you're not a patreon subscriber go ahead on over there and we're gonna chat about some of caitlin and tommy's kids media recommendations Ugh, what an awesome conversation with Caitlin and Tommy. Please, please go check out Alphabet Rockers on all the socials. Listen to their music over on Spotify. You will not regret it, I promise. Remember to tell your queer and trans educator friends about Queer Teachers Rock, the conference that we're putting on late October. And don't forget to pre-order the Rainbow Parenting book that's coming out in May. Thank you so, so much for tuning in. We'll be back with another episode next week on Monday. Until then, talk soon. Rainbow Parenting is hosted and created by me, Linz Amer. It's produced in partnership with Multitude and is edited by Misha Stanton. The theme music is by Amanda Darchangelis and the logo artwork is by Abe Tenzio. <laughs>